in a world where everyone knows everything. <laughs> yeah, right. One dad stands below everyone and yells, I know nothing. Please welcome. Please welcome. This is the Dad Who Knows Nothing podcast. Hey, everybody. This is the Dad Who Knows Nothing podcast. I'm very excited today to have Eric Allen on the podcast. Now, sometimes I get the chance to actually interview other podcasters that are really successful and have a really successful podcast, and that's Eric Allen. So he has the Eric Allen Show. It's a podcast that's ranked number one, uh, just over one, I think you said 102 in the US yep. Apple Entrepreneur Chart. So doing really well. He's had great guests. I mean, people like Ed Milet, people like Bedros Killian, if anybody knows either of those two names, uh, really good guests to have on your show. And he was able to grab them and, and have them as an episode on his podcast. So we'll talk a little bit about podcasting. We'll talk a little bit about your journey and how you came to uh, have this show, Eric. And then we'll, we'll talk about some of your tips for success and how you've been successful. So thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, absolutely, man. It's truly an honor to be here, Dana. Thank you so much for the invite, man. Really appreciate it. All right. So it's so many times when people are successful, right? there's always a story and I've always been fascinated about people's backstory, right? I don't want to just know about how successful they are today. Cause that's important. That's awesome to focus on the great things people are doing, but I know that people's journeys are like this, right? It's ups and downs, ups and downs. <laughs> and you certainly are an example of that. So, so walk me through the journey to get to where you are now with this successful podcast and doing a lot of cool things with the people that you work with every day. Yeah, man, I think it started uh, in my early years, right? So, you know, my parents got divorced when I was 11 years old. I'd never heard that word before. Didn't even know what that word was. And uh, then my parents, uh, you know, my mom got together quickly with a guy who was very physically abusive. So I remember being 11 years old, watching him beat the snot out of my mom all the time. And they did the smart thing. They got pregnant. And what they did was, uh, you know, I grew up in Eastern Washington state and they decided to move my sister, who's younger, four years younger than me, and then my little brother's a couple months old at the time, uh, to Stevensville, Montana, population 1,200 people. We had a house that they rented on five acres, beautiful property, pond, and you know, deers, and everything walking through the property. The house had three bedrooms, though. So it was one for them, one for my little brother who's a couple months old, and one for my sister. And they said, Eric, you live in the garage. So I literally had this plastic tarp down the middle of the garage, and my bed was on one half. Uh, luckily, my half had the fireplace that would keep me semi-warm in those winters of Montana. And uh, that was my room. And, you know, the abuse continued out there. And there was one night when I was brushing my teeth, they came home arguing, wasn't anything different than any other night. But as I was brushing my teeth, I felt God go, man, you got to turn around and at least look and see what's going on. And so as I peeked around the corner, uh, the, the way the house was set up was the kitchen to the uh, pantry room to the garage where my room is at. And as I peek around the corner, I see him on top of my mom in the pantry hallway and just one after the other, boom, 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 hitting her in the face. I'm like, man, I got to stop this dude. So I walked up and I grabbed a cast iron pan and I swung as hard as I could and split the back of his head open. Um, didn't knock him out. He turned around and he, as he said, what the, and as he did that, I, I took another swing and split his forehead open. Lots of blood. Cops showed up, took him to jail for the night. My mom doesn't press charges. Hmm. I thought I was the hero. Uh, I actually got kicked out of the house with three months left of my freshman year of high school after that. So I was basically walking from my, my buddy Forrest's house. He was downtown Stevensville. We'd walk to school and smoke his dad's cigarettes on the way to school, man. And uh, that set me on a path of destruction for the next 10 years. I went back to live with my dad and ended up in jail at 18 
for having drug paraphernalia. I actually had a bong, which is funny because in the state of Washington now, it's legal to have a bong. But at the time in 1998, it was not. Right. And, uh, you know, so I, I was still in high school when I got arrested. And then two weeks after I graduated, I woke up to a post-it note on the mirror of my dad's house that said, you can't comply with house rules. You have 48 hours to get out. And so at that point, I was homeless, man. From 18 to 21, I moved 21 times and ended up moving to Seattle with 100 bucks in my pocket, living off credit cards. I was battling addictions from drugs and alcohol, you name it. And then by the time I was 21, I was $28,000 in debt and I'd filed bankruptcy. I was literally borrowing money from Money Tree uh, to pay cash advance and then borrowing money from cash advance to pay Money Tree back and forth in this vicious cycle, man. And uh, ended up in a job uh, with Universal Records. So it was a dream job of mine to get in the music business, but I was working behind the scenes and lining up like meet and greets and stuff. And um, really was living that rock star lifestyle without being a rock star. You know, there was a night where I got laid off from uh, Universal. I was working at Starbucks. This girl walked in and said, hey, man, uh, we got this cool college age event down at our church. Would you be interested in going? And I'm like, man, she's, she's hot and I'm depressed and I have no friends. What time do I need to be there? Right. That's what, that was what's going through my mind. And I got there and God rocked me, man. Uh, God just put it on my heart. He's, I, I ran into guys I hadn't seen in four or five years. They lived on the other side of the state. And it was a month later, Easter 2004. I woke up after I had a party and I'm surrounded by buddies in his basement. We're all passed out. About five o'clock in the morning, I felt God go, man, you're, you're going to go down this path that's going to end your life real quick. And so I decided I gave my life to Christ right there in my buddy's basement, called that girl up and said, hey, thanks for inviting me to that church event. Maybe I'll see you at the store sometime. And well, a month later, we were dating and she's been my wife for 17 plus years now. Nice, nice story. The, um, the quick rundown, sorry. Yeah, no, 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 that was great. And certainly, you know, that's that's the power of faith, right? It can yeah. it can make you be the best person that you want to be. And it certainly seems to have done that in your case. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you you came then, how did it come to having the podcast? Because as we talked before we started recording, you had another one before then. How'd you get into podcasting? Yeah. So I had a company called Top Rated MMA. It was a mixed martial arts apparel company that we started in uh, 2012. I, I borrowed a couple grand from my brother-in-law to start this thing. We bought a bunch of shirts and they never sold. So, you know, we did a couple events and we thought we'd be the next tap out. Uh, but I, I kept on to the company. We ended up, my wife and I ended up moving to Idaho in 2014. And in 2017, I got bored with it, man. I was like, what am I going to do with this brand? What am I, this name? I don't want to sell apparel anymore. So I started a podcast it was what I called it. Um, I was essentially just talking with up and coming MMA fighters from around the world and ask them why you want to get in a cage, get punched in the face. Mm. And, and that was my only goal with that podcast, man. And it quickly, you know, got known among all these up and coming MMA fighters. I was able to talk with some bigger names as well. Ken Shamrock's been on the show a couple of times and uh, Dan uh, Caldwell, the guy who started tap out uh, has been on the uh, show a couple of times as well. And so it, it really started as that. And then I came across Ed Milet by chance doing a search uh, for motivational speakers a couple of years later. And it really inspired me to start the, the business podcast that I have today. And, and I just started listening to stuff. I felt his values and his beliefs were lining mine. So I just sponge watched everything and then ended up winning the Ed Milet max out community challenge that he offered in 2019, which landed me that phone call with Ed. And like I mentioned, I was able to record that and release that as episode 12 of my phone of my new podcast that I have currently. Nice. So obviously you're a great example of somebody who didn't let their past define you. Um, what would you tell someone that may be listening to this podcast or maybe listening to any of your podcasts that have heard that story that are in a bad situation 
doesn't know how to get out of it. What, what would you tell that one? What would you tell your younger self in that situation? Yeah, it's so interesting. I, I think if I was to tell my younger self, I, I, I would say, don't do it <laughs> because there was so much crap that I just got into. And I just thought that life was going to end around 40 years old. Well, I'm 43 now. I'm still love, still alive, man, and have an awesome family. But I really just didn't think down the road, man. I thought tomorrow's another day and that's it. Um, but I think if you're feeling stuck in a position, you know, you've got to get uncomfortable. And that's really you stepping out of that comfort zone that's holding you in that stuck place. When I was drinking and on that day I decided to give my life to Christ, I quit cold turkey, drugs, drinking cigarettes and everything. And the way that I was able to do that was I changed my environment. I literally called up my buddies and said, dude, I got to get healthy. I can't go to the bars. I can't go to the parties. Can't do concerts right now. I got to get mentally strong. And I took about six months where I just didn't hang out with those guys. I didn't go to the bars, didn't do anything around where I was going to be tempted to be in that situation. Uh, found a new environment. I started finding men that were in the church that had great businesses, great marriages and great walks with Christ. And I just took them out to Starbucks. I'm like, tell me your story. I want to understand how I can be better, you know? And so I think if you're in that position and you're stuck, you got to change your environment. You got to get out. You can do it. There's nothing that's holding you back. And if there is, that's probably something illegal and you probably need to get authorities uh, involved. But there's nothing literally that can hold you back from leaving an environment. Yes, you're going to run into tough things. You're going to run into mountains that are going to try to hold you back. You're going to have family members telling you that you shouldn't do that. Quit, quiet the noise, get into a spot where you can get comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's how you change your environment, man. Yeah. It's such a great point is we, you know, the, the saying's been said, you know, you want to, you want to know who somebody is, look at who their friends are. You know, yeah. so that environment and sometimes it's well-meaning individuals in your environment that are totally. that hold you back, even though they don't realize they're holding you back. You know, they're trying to just be, you know, just trying to say, hey, no, you don't need to make that big change. That's, you know, and they yeah. think they're trying to help you, you know, but in reality, it's it's keeping you from growing. So that's such a great point. Yeah, absolutely. So for you, how have you defined success now? How has that changed? Success for me really looks like breaking those chains of addiction, abuse, rejection. Um, you know, it's it's giving my kids a life that I didn't experience. It's it's um, my wife and I both come from crazy families, and we both come from broken homes. And we decided that when we said "I do," that we were going to do that through thick and through thin. Uh, you know, and and we've been married for you know seventeen and a half years. Not every year is rainbow and sunshine, man. It's um, it can be rough. And, but one thing that I consider success is our kids will never see us get into a fight or I'm sorry, they see us arguing, they see us a makeup. What, what they'll never see is us get a divorce. And that is one thing that my wife and I have committed to each other. We're just not going to get a divorce. They're going to be tough times. Um, unless there was some, you know, infidelity involved or not, that would be the only case I think, but we are so strong and tight knit together that it just wouldn't happen. And we don't put ourselves in situations where that would or could happen. Um, so our kids will never experience divorce. Our kids will never experience the abuse, rejection, addiction uh, that my wife and I both witnessed as kids. And so I think for me, that's the success. If they can, if I can raise them up to just love on people and not judge people, that's a success for me. Yeah, two things there that I think are are so profound. So many times today, you know, when you look at those commitments of marriage that people have, it it's all work, right? If you yeah. If you end the marriage and you have to deal with, you know, paying alimony, paying child support, uh, dealing with the 
damages that that may cause any children in the situation. It's work. It's going to be work to allow that to be successful. There are kids that come from divorced families that are successful. It's it's not like it's a death sentence for kids, but it's work either way. And sometimes it it seems like people just stop wanting to put in the work and how much better to put in the work to keep that marriage together, to keep that family together. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's so much work, but it's so worth it. You know, the, the time that we put in to make our marriage better and, you know, um, spending time in prayer and, and just really praying with our kids and, and making sure that they know that, yep, there's going to be times where mom and, I, mom and dad are not on the same page and they might hear us argue, but they're going to hear us and see us make up and see us dancing in the kitchen and kissing and they kind of, ooh, right. But then they're going to see us just having an awesome time. And so they just, they, they know that divorce will never happen in our family. They just won't. Yeah, we have that same type of commitment in mind. And, and we went through a struggle where it was a lot. And, and what I discovered at that point was that I was living in my marriage to, for what I could get out of it, not for what I could give to it. Yeah. And the minute that that kind of changed and I saw the pain that my wife was dealing with because of that mindset, and I switched that and I said, you know what, I'm no longer going to care about what I'm getting but I'm going to care about what I'm giving. Come on. Then it becomes, then it becomes, and when both are doing that, that's when you're really going to see the benefits of that, of that commitment. So good, man. That's a great point for sure. dude. All right. So you talked a little bit. The second point that you touched on was being consistent. We all know there's going to be rough days. There's going to be stuff that you're going to go through. How's that? Why is that consistency so important? I think if you get inconsistent with hanging out and dating your wife, uh, then you start to just lose, I don't want to say interest, but you, you kind of start to both go in your own direction. If you, if you're not consistently putting work into your marriage, right. You start to have other priorities that come up. You know, I've been working from home since 2015. And so I get to see my wife, and my kids every single day. And, you know, I'm able to see my wife during lunch and things like that. If I go downstairs, um, and really just trying to put in that time. It's so important to, to do that um, and being consistent with it. You can't expect to have a great marriage if you're only having a good conversation with your wife every other month. Uh, you know, my wife and I, we, unfortunately, we, we don't have family in this area, so we haven't been able to go on a lot of date nights. Um, so what we started doing was doing a day date. You know, I block off 30 minutes on my lunch, you know, once a week so we can just go downstairs and just chat and have lunch and things like that. So, you know, that's one of the things that really helps us kind of stay on the top of everything else that's going on in all of our lives. Yeah, that's a good point. You don't want to be in that situation where you kind of feel like you're just roommates. Yep. We've been there. We know what that feels like. We don't want to do that again. That's right. (laughs) We talked a little bit about, you know, obviously part of what you do to help individuals is, and I see that in your sign, you know, never ending improvement behind you. Yeah. Um, There's an uncomfortableness that comes with that, right? Never being satisfied, not to a point where it becomes a negative thing where you're just like, trying to do more at the expense of other things, but that constant state of trying to be a better version of yourself provides uncomfortable, you know, it's uncomfortable because in order to be a better version of yourself, you have to get feedback that says, Hey, I'm not doing really good in this area, or I could be better in this area. So talk to me about that and how you advise your clients, how you talk to people about that. Yeah. You know, that this is actually what Ed told me when I talked to him on the show was he told me this and I was like, dude, that's so good. You know? So I put it on my office wall and I see that every day. 
you know, I think that um, when I'm talking with clients, man, you know, a lot of my clients are, are people who are wanting to get into podcasting. Um, they're struggling with trying to get their show ranked or how to get those big names in. And I think we always have to push the level, we, uh, you know, the envelope. We have to continue to improve. And yeah, it's going to suck when you go test something out. If you're trying to, you know, if you've not done videos before online and social media and posts, like when you start doing those videos, it's uncomfortable. I tried to do videos for years and I just would like get in my own head and not allow myself to do videos. So I think, you know, once you get through your head and get through the, the psych yourself out moments, um, that's when the doors really open up. Um, you have to get uncomfortable if you want to prove in anything, um, whether that's learning a new skill on the computer or playing basketball or whatever it is, you've got to get uncomfortable and be okay with, I don't want to say people laughing, but be okay to laugh at yourself uh, for making a fool out of yourself sometimes. You know, I look back at my early videos and I go, man, if I was that today, you know, I just have to laugh at my old, my old videos, my episodes, because it was just so bad in my eyes, you know, but it was me just putting something out. I knew that I wanted to do podcasting. I knew that I wanted to be part of that industry or in that environment. And so I just knew that each time I would improve. And so even getting on shows like this, you're an amazing host. So I'm learning stuff from you, how you ask questions and the calmness that you have. This is such a great show, man. And, and I think you just have to get uncomfortable uh, with yourself, you know, at any point, if you want to grow. Yeah. And I think that uh, you, you bring out a good point too, because at, at some point you have to take the step too. You have to start yep. at least trying it. You know, yep. if we just said, well, what if this goes wrong? What if this goes wrong? And then you, you, you're overwhelmed with that and you don't even take that first step. Yeah. But if you take that first step, you know, you're going to make mistakes. You know, you're going to learn from them. You know, your, your next one's going to be better and you're just going to keep building. And, and that's, that's what I've found the most. I mean, uh, you know, I, I was talked to about, I, I said the word, um, too much, you know, and I still do it. I catch sure. myself doing it. I, it's, yeah. it's just part of who I am, but I know that I've actually gotten better at it the more I do it. So, yeah. you know, it's like anything, just take that first step and you know, you'll, you'll, you'll learn from it. I'll tell you when I first started podcasting, I would go through and I would edit out <clears throat> manually all the ums and all the pauses and all of that. And it would take me forever. And somebody I talked to on my show said, you know, when you're podcasting, it's just natural for folks to say that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And so I just stopped editing my shows. I edit the beginning and the end. We're kind of having just behind the scene conversation, but the middle of the show, I just stopped editing unless it's something major that caused the in interruption. But for me, I just let it be and, and let the natural conversation flow. Yeah. Cause I think that's what this medium has provided more so than radio or television. It's allowed anybody to get to a, get on a mic and be able yes. to show and, and, you know, it shows their personality, the way they talk. And uh, I've had so many people that, that I know that are friends of mine that have listened and they're like, they're like, yeah, it's so cool see, hearing you on this. I didn't know you did this, you know, and, <laughs> and, but it's, it's, it's just a cool way to, cool way to grow just by building content. Yeah, absolutely. So I obviously haven't had my podcast running as long as yours. What's, what's your best advice for somebody who wants to uh, grow their podcast, maybe book some big name guests? How does it, how, how does somebody do it? If you want to be successful in podcasts, just don't quit. <laughs> uh, and I say that because, you know, statistically what I've read, you know, online and of course statistics are sometimes made up. I don't know. But uh, what I saw online was about 90% of podcasts never make it to episode 50. And then another 90% of that never make it to episode 100. So 
I just stayed with it because I love talking with people. I'm, I'm a big networker. And I think if you want to be successful in podcasting, don't worry about the numbers. I never look at the numbers. I don't care how many downloads I get. I do podcasting because it's fun. And I do podcasting because I love to have great conversations. But I never look at it and go, oh man, I only had five downloads this week or I only had 200 downloads this week. <laughs> I just don't, I've never let that bother me. And so I think if, if you're going to be in a podcasting, you want to be successful, don't worry about the numbers. Just stay consistent. If you're releasing every week, release every week. Don't skip any weeks unless you actually tell your audience, hey, we're going to take a break here right now. Uh, just don't you know, accidentally miss a week, right? And I think that's how you get successful in podcasting. If you want to nail down the big names, this is my tip, and this is how I've been able to book all the big names, is I literally pull out my phone and I go to Instagram DM. Actually, before I go on Instagram, I pull out my phone and I do a video. I'll research who I want to invite on my show, whether it's Ed or Bedros or Bradley or Jim the Rookie Morris or whoever it is that I happen to be reaching out to. I'll look at the last couple posts, and maybe I'm already following them and I'm consistent on, on reading their posts, but I look at the last couple posts that they've made find something that is intriguing to me, something, a message that they're trying to get out. And I'll literally pull out my phone and be like, Hey, Ed, what's going on? It's Eric Allen out here at Coeur d'Alene. I know you used to live a house. I used to have a house out here and I love your book, the power of one more. It's so good, man. Impacted my life. I'd love to help. Let's get the word out. Let's have you on the show. 20, 30 minutes max. And we'll have you on. Thanks so much, man. 30 seconds. Absolutely. That's all. I would never go over 30 seconds. Send a personalized video to that person in Instagram DM. I send that to them and that's how I book 99% of my shows. Huh. That's a great tip. I'm going to write that one down. <laughs> yeah, dude. Nice. It's, I used, when I first started, I was just sending like the, the templated email or templated message, right? Where I was just changing the name at the beginning and Hey, this is who I am. And da, da, da. they don't care who you are when mm -hmm. you're reaching out to them to get them on your show. How can you help them? And so I very, I focused those, that 30 seconds on, that post that they made or their book that they're pushing or their course that they're pushing. pushing, And I just say, how can I help you? I want to help you push this out. Let's get you on the show and let's promote it. Let's talk about it. And I just leave it at that. And Hey, what, either way, thanks for your time. You know, I hope that you have an awesome day and, and we'll, we'll chat soon, hopefully. And I just leave it at that. And sometimes I get people ignoring me, but a lot of times people respond back and say, Hey man, I like that background or Hey, yeah, absolutely. Let's get, let's get on the show. Um, and that's, like I said, that's how I booked all those big names. Gotcha. No, that's a great tip. So for you personally, I wanted to hit on a couple things. So talk to me about your morning routine. We talked about this a little bit before the show. Yeah. Tell me what a day looks like in your day. What, what time does it start? What, what's your, what's your day? What's your morning routine look like? For me, it's 4am, six days a week. And the reason it's 4am is because I still work a full-time job. And for me, it's a goal to wake up each day. And so I literally, if I open my eyes in the morning, the very first thing that I think of and I say, uh, you know, quietly is, man, thank you, God, for another day to see and hug and hold my family. I've accomplished my first goal. I woke up today and then I jump out of bed. I make my bed. There's two goals that I've already accomplished in the first 15 seconds. So in my mind, I'm already stacking wins. And then, you know, I get in the shower, I come upstairs to the office for me. The morning routine it includes worship music. So I jump in, I put on some worship music and I spend time in prayer and prayer for me is very gratitude driven. I don't ask for much. I'm just very thankful that I'm still alive, that I could see my family that I'm blessed. Uh, you know, we're out of debt and, and be able to you know live the life that I'm living. And that's where I'm really just drawing close to God. And I have a, a prayer journal. I write some journaling in there. 
Um, and then I go right into, um, you know, I read the Bible each morning. So I spend some time reading and then I go right into emails and responding to clients. And then I edit my shows, man. I do all that myself. So I edit all my shows and then I start posting them and scheduling them to drop on Friday mornings at 7 a.m. And so when I'm not doing that, I also work with clients on like how-to videos and explainer videos and box opening and stuff like that. So I'm, um, I'm on Fiverr and Upwork. So I'm trying to like reach out to those guys and respond to those clients and things. Um, I'm also in the process of going through uh, the Maxwell leadership uh, coaches. I'm, I became certified Ma John Maxwell coach uh, a couple weeks back. I'm in the process of finishing my speaker track uh, course right now and also writing a book. Uh, so spend a little time on that, man. So I try to spend uh, 30 minutes every morning reading. Uh, that's, that was a goal of mine this year was to spend 30 minutes a day reading and just wanted to increase my intake of books. And so do that in the morning. And I go downstairs about six 30. I help the kids, uh, make breakfast and make their lunch while my wife's getting ready for the day. And then at eight o'clock, I start my regular job. And then at five o'clock, I usually walk away and say, all right, it's family time. Um, you know, 4am for me, people ask me that, why do you wake up before him? Well, the reason I wake up before him is because my desire to be successful is bigger than my desire to sleep. And so that is what drives me to, to get up in the morning. I'm not eating in the family time. I can work on myself, my personal development before my wife and kids wake up. Right. No, that's good. And <clears throat> so many things, I mean, no matter what faith you have, yeah. um, you know, there's the, that holds true. So whether it's, uh, you know, maybe it's not the Bible, maybe it's an inspirational book, maybe it's a, a you know, a book like The Power of One, like Ed's oh. book, you know. Things yeah. that just get your mind, you can read on that inspire you, uh, can be a fantastic start to your day. And then, you know, I sometimes will like in prayer for other people that may be meditation, just yes. kind of just thinking, quieting their thoughts, learning how to, you know, show that gratitude, think about things, think about simple things that they're grateful for. No, it's all, it's all good variation depending on what where your beliefs are but totally. those things are all foundational to starting your day off right and getting you going in the right in the right direction no doubt yep the worst thing you can do is turn on the news yeah so yeah. I, I just say turn off the news man i turned that off about 10 years ago and and that has helped my mindset so much man or turn on your phone and start flipping through yeah don't do social that. media right <laughs> <laughs> that could yeah. th then it's then it's eight o'clock and you don't even know what's happened totally uh, <laughs> so you mentioned books so yeah. what books have changed your life other than you know i'm sure you're gonna obviously the bible is one that's near and dear to you but what else what yeah. other books have changed your life you know ed's first book max out was a really awesome book um i read that one cover to cover several times and it was really impactful when i first heard him and i was able to get that book um, I like the power of one, uh, one more that he just released. I, I finished that recently. That's a great book. Um, in a pit with a lion on a snowy day by Mark Batterson, um, is a really great book. Uh, it's, he's a Christian author, but the way that he approaches this book is very much like how, uh, how do we as men go into battle, whether that's a physical battle, a mental battle, a spiritual battle. Um, and it's such a great book. It hooks you from the beginning and the stories, the way that he writes it. I think that book for me is super impactful. I read that for the second time this year and it, I was just reminded of how good that book is. Nice. All right. Well, what if the rest of them, if my uh, podcast listeners, if you'd like them to take one takeaway from our conversation, what do you, what do you think it would be? Man, I, I would say go with your heart, man. If you, if you feel like you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, 
make a change. If you're at a job where it's just paying your bills, you're not going to get happy there. Don't make money the, the form of happiness, you know, get happy outside of money and whatever it is that motivates you, whether that's a, a, a Christian belief or non-belief or whatever, start your day with stacking those wins, set those goals. You have to have some easy goals that your brain can take those wins and stack them and then have those stretch goals that you're going for every day. And um, I think if you're just feeling stuck, man, like I said, get out of that environment, find an environment where you can grow. We touched base on this earlier, man, surround yourself with people that are living life that you want to live and uh, they'll just motivate you to be a better person. No, I couldn't have said it better myself, Eric. That was, that was great. That was profound. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story of all the things that you had to overcome and how you've been able to uh, be successful, not only in the world of podcasting, but uh, obviously just in your life and in general, being successful and, and being there for your family. You're, you're a great example of somebody not letting their past define you. So I thought this was a great story. Thank you so much for joining my podcast and let, and sharing that with my audience. Absolutely, man. Truly an honor to be here, man. It's a great show, man. People need to be listening to your show. This is a, you're a great host too, man. Uh, I appreciate that a lot. Thanks again for your time. Thank you for joining us on our journey to learn about various topics. If you'd like to get in touch with the dad who knows nothing, connect with him at the dad who knows nothing on TikTok and Instagram or dad knows zero on Twitter. If you have a moment and you like this episode, drop us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have a great day and enjoy your journey through this game called life. <laughs>